I hope that you are grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ. It is through his blood that we have been cleansed. And as the song that Brother Wade sang was about the wretched man that we are and how we need all stand in need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ in our life. As he was singing that, I was reminded of Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works that any man should boast. I am so grateful for that because I know in my own self I will never ever measure up. It's utterly impossible to measure up. And that's the reason we need Jesus Christ. It's not about being religious, it's about knowing a personal Savior and trusting wholeheartedly in him. Amen. I'm going to invite the mission team to come this morning. I know that that was a little uh, long, but if you're a part of the mission team, I'm going to invite you to come. Miss Judy has moved. I thought earlier maybe she had forsaken me. Uh, She was over here this morning, and now she's moved all the way to the other side over here. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to be the one. But no, she has graciously remained in our second service I know this is not all of those who went on the mission trip with us, but this is a representation. I'm going to ask Miss Judy to come and share with us. We have a couple, or maybe we have one. Do we have two testimonies? Naomi, okay. And Miss Judy's going to share as well. It's mic number one, Brother Allen. church you provided money towards that house build you helped us pay for lodging and food while we were there Uh, we came back all the people in one piece but one enterprise people mover van not so much (laughs) Um, but we made it all the way home before it started to go in reverse when you put it in drive so (laughs) we were glad for that Um, you sent shoes you sent fabric that helped us with the sewing classes and you prayed for us Um, Debbie Poole was especially helpful in helping prepare all of our VBS supplies and our uh, sewing things and in a lot of different ways you helped send this team but mostly with your prayers and your support and I want to thank y'all for that. My name is Naomi and this was my second year to be able to go with Crestwood down to Penethus. Um, Like she said they offer the life skill classes to help the families earn and Um, She taught us, Sam taught us, our Buckner's Guide, that the people really appreciate the services that they receive and the help whenever they're taught, whenever they they earn these life skills, they learn them, and anyway, it was a blessing to be a part of that, to teach them. So one of the things that we did this year was a sewing class. 
I'm not a seamstress. I'm not very good at it. I can press a pedal on a sewing machine. And I did not think I was very qualified to help Judy teach that. And so it's nice to see the Lord come through and say, that doesn't matter. Because whenever the machine's jammed and needles broke, he still provided and it turned out okay. So a lot of y'all donated material and we got to leave a lot of that there. This was a bag that one of the ladies made. The second day we were there, Judy had an example for a very basic beginner one-on-one bag. And on Tuesday, the lady left, one of the ladies, with only three seams done. And I felt like we failed her because we kept asking, do you need help? Are you okay? Are you getting it? She kept saying yes, yes. And then she left with barely anything. But she came back the next day, and she had this. So this was super because it shows the initiative and the value that the people have and how they really appreciate whatever you're able to give. They can do. So um, I also got to help participate in VBS again this year, and that was really special. We invited the Bugner families to bring their kids, and so some of the mamas hung around, and we got to know them. There was one mama I got to know that her name was Maria, and with her very limited English and my very limited Spanish, we were able to build a relationship. She brought this one little girl every day. She was a friend of her daughter's, and she was interested in knowing more about the Lord. And they were unfortunately not able to come back on Friday. But it's nice to know that with Buckner's and with her friend's mother, Maria, she's going to be continued to be ministered to. But there was also another family. And Kelly's not here, but she has a, um, Kelly Pollitz has a background in social work. And this mother had a little girl in Kelly's small group class that had pain in her legs. And we learned that she had had surgery for it. And the mother had to let somebody else take her daughter to get that surgery. And so the mother was given paperwork in English and just told it was fine. It went well. But the girl was still in pain. And so this poor mama's broken heart didn't know, was it a botched surgery? Was something wrong? What was going on? What do I do? And so Kelly was able, with the help of Buckner's translators, to tell this mama um, some advice and how to help. And with Buckner's there, we now know that she's going to get the treatment that she needs and the care. And that girl's older sister was in my group. And that was this really special part because she asked the Lord into her heart while we were there. And so that was a beautiful thing to witness and to see happen. So those are two very special families that we took home in our hearts. So please be in prayer for them and the other people and the other children. They were all pretty wonderful. Right. We're going to have a word of prayer before the team is seated, but I want to tell you what a great joy it was for my family and I to be able to go with them. I think I'm going to ask Naomi and Jeremy one Sunday if their son can preach for us. You know, he (laughs) seemed right at home up here. I'm going to tell you that. He did such a great job. There's some Sundays I feel like that as well. (laughs) Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we are so very grateful for the day that you blessed us with, and we are very grateful that we had the opportunity to go to Panitas and to represent you to people who are in great need. Father, we are very grateful that we had the opportunity to further your kingdom, and we're grateful for Crestwood Baptist Church for their stewardship and their support in allowing us to go. Father, most of all, I pray that you were honored and glorified through that entire trip. Thank you for each one of these people, Lord, 
And I know that they have received a tremendous blessing by being able to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was saying earlier, it was a great privilege and an honor for my family to be able to go with them and to participate in the mission trip this year. I want to just thank you. You may have not been able to go with us, but I realize that people are able to support missions in more than one way. Some people are able to support through giving. Others are able to support through praying. And some are able to support through going. But the most important thing for us to remember is that we all play a very important role in missions. I am convinced at the very center of God's heart is missions because missions is making Jesus Christ known to a lost and dying world. And God has given us a privilege of being able to be a part of that through furthering his kingdom. As great as the opportunity was to share Christ in practical ways through building someone a home or giving them a cup of cold water or just letting them know how much Jesus Christ loves them through providing them with certain skills in life. Really, what's most important about missions is making the gospel known to a lost and dying world. If we're not careful, it's easy for us to become focused upon the physical needs of people at the expense of the gospel message. We can help a person physically for a day, but unless we share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, it will not change their eternal state. The gospel is what's almost pre, always most preeminent when we go and do missions. It's the opportunity to make Christ known to a lost and dying world. So thank you, Crestwood. I want to say how much it is to be a, a privilege just to be able to be your pastor. I'm grateful that you have a missions heart as a church. I'm convinced when we have missions at the center of our heart, God will bless that because God has missions at the center of his heart. And so I'm grateful, and I want you to begin to pray about something. Our plan is to go back again next year, and I want to invite you right now to begin to pray about the opportunity that God would give you to participate in going. What I have come to realize and what my family has realized is oftentimes those who go and serve are far more blessed than those who are served or were ministered to. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. What a great privilege it is to bring someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, those who go walk away with this wonderful feeling of, man, I have been richly blessed by the Lord because I've been able to participate in something that He desired for me to do. Now, Having put behind us the mission trip, if you're a father this morning, I want you to please stand to your feet today. We don't want to lose sight of the fact that it is Father's Day. I am so very grateful for each of these fathers that are represented here this morning. What a privilege and an honor it is for me as a pastor uh, uh, just to be your pastor and to lead you spiritually. In the time that I've been here, I've had the opportunity to get a note to, go, to know a few of you 
in that time, I realize that you have a great love for your family and desire to share with your family spiritually. Now, at the very end of the service, I'm going to ask you men to do something for me. I forgot to do this in the early service, but I will not forget to, to do it in the second service. At the end of the worship service, when we're finished today, I'm going to invite all of our fathers and all of our men that are present down front because we want to have a special word of prayer for them this morning. If you feel comfortable with that, at the end of our worship service, I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to ask you to be seated if you want to, but I very much appreciate you men, and I appreciate your desire to want to lead your family spiritually. Over the last several weeks, you know, we've been talking about godly leadership, and I really thought this morning for a long time I would just continue in that message. And then my wife and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago or about a week ago. I was sharing with her that what I was going to do on Sunday morning, I wasn't necessarily going to preach a message directly toward fathers. I just thought that I would continue to preach about godly leadership. And as I looked at her, I noticed that there was this strange look on her face. And she told me, she said, Jeff, I can't believe that on Mother's Day you preached to all the mothers, but now you're not going to preach to the fathers. So I went back and changed my whole message this morning so that I could please my wife. And so men, I'm going to preach a message to you on behalf of my wife this morning. I asked her if she wanted to preach, but she, did not, she said, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to make sure you preach to the fathers this morning. So, uh, no, really, I hope that God is going to speak very clearly through his word to our hearts today. As I was traveling from my home over this morning, as I was watching the sunrise, getting ready to come to church, I was just reminded in my heart of the privilege that I have or the privileges that I have been given as a man. The first privilege that I have been given as a man is to know a heavenly father, a father that never makes any mistakes. I am so grateful that I know my heavenly father in a personal way, and I am grateful that I serve a father who never blows it. I know men at times in our relationships to our families, we come up short. I realize that we fail to make the mark each and every time. But I hope the desire of our heart this morning would be is that we would always strive to be the fathers that God desires for us to be, the fathers that our families need for us to be. But at the end of the day, we need to remind ourselves there is only one perfect father. And that is our heavenly Father, and we need to always be looking to Him for help and guidance in our lives, men, as we seek to lead our family spiritually. The second thing I was reminded of when I was driving over this morning, I have the great privilege of being married to a godly wife. I reminded myself when I began to pray in my mid-twenties that God would give me a godly wife, and God has richly blessed me with a wonderful wife, a wife who models for our children what it means to walk with Jesus Christ, and I am so grateful for that. And at the same time, when God blessed me with a godly wife, I asked him, Lord, would you please give me children? Well, you know what I'm saying. I don't need to say anything else. No, really, I have been blessed with three beautiful and wonderful children. God has richly blessed me with children who are encouraging. They support me as a father. And oftentimes when I'm down and out, they'll come alongside me to encourage me. But I also realized when I got into this parent thing, 
well, there was just a lot more there than I ever anticipated. Have you ever noticed that? If you understand, if you've raised children, then you understand exactly what I'm meaning. I only have about 17 years of experience. I know some of you have far more experience than that, and some of you have less experience than that. But I will tell you, it is challenging. And I think it's more challenging today to raise godly children than it has ever been before in the history of our world. And you know the reason I believe that? is because children have more choices today than they've ever had in the history of our world. Would you agree with that this morning? You know, I look at my children's life, and they're involved in social media. We try to curb that. They know how to turn on a computer. They know how to get on the Internet. And when they do all of those things, it just opens up a wealth of knowledge and information to them that was never there before, that was never there for me as a young man or as a child growing up. And as parents, we need to be able to help our children navigate those things in a right way, in a godly manner. This morning, I want to spend a few moments talking with you about the significant role that I believe fathers play in the family. I am convinced that fathers are a major part of the equation of having healthy families in America. And part of that equation is for us as men to understand the role that God has given us in the family. I shared at the end of our worship service this morning, this is one of the challengingest sermons that I will ever preach. And I want you to know everything that I'm going to share with you this morning, men, comes from my heart and comes from the Word of God. It's not, it's not salt to bring you down or to discourage you. What I hope more than anything else, the words that I will share with you from God's Word will encourage you as fathers to step up to the plate and be the men that God has called us to be because I'm telling you today, our families stand in great need of spiritual leaders in the home, and that is the role that God has given us as fathers, as husbands, as leaders in the family. So I believe this message is so pivotal for us today. Now, at the same time, I want to say this. I realize that God is the foundation of the family, not man. That, that God is at the very center, and with God, a multitude of shortcomings can be made up for if we're looking and trusting in Him. I realize there are times where fathers check out of families. And at the same time, I realize with God's help and a loving church, we can still raise godly children in our home. I want you to hear me say that today because I am convinced that is so important for us to understand. But at the same time, we need to realize that God has a plan for marriage. 
that God has a plan for family. And it is only as we uphold that plan from God's word for our families that families will be all that God desires them to be. But it is only as we look to God's word. I fear that what has happened oftentimes is we look to the model of the world rather than to look to the model of God's Word. And we must allow God's Word to determine what it is that we believe about marriage, what we believe about raising children, what we believe about being godly fathers. So having said that this morning, what I want to do is offer you a few words of encouragement. And what I want you to do right now, if you would for me, is please open your Bibles to Luke, the first chapter. As you're turning your Bibles to that passage of Scripture, I want to just share with you a little bit of the background information surrounding this passage of Scripture. Some of you may be familiar with this story that is found here. It is a great story. It is a story about a man named Zechariah who was a priest and about his wife named Elizabeth. In the story, we are told that they were advanced in age and they had been married for a number of years, but there was a problem. They had never been blessed with a child. So you can imagine the sense of joy and excitement in their hearts and their lives when one day Zechariah the priest is ministering in the temple and the angel of the Lord visits him and he says to him, listen, you and your wife is going to have a child. Now, Zechariah was quite dumbfounded. He said, don't you know our condition? He said, we're advanced in age. We've been married a number of years. My wife is barren. But the angel of the Lord said to Zechariah, this is what I want you to do. When this child is born, I want you to name him John. Now, most of us are familiar with the story of John the Baptist, aren't we? Well, this passage of Scripture that we find here, beginning in verse 8, down through the end of the chapter, verse 25, really records for us or shares with us a sampling of John's ministry. I want you to listen to what it says here in this passage of Scripture concerning John and his ministry. Listen to verse 14. Let's begin reading right there. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, that is a reference to John. Many people would rejoice at the birth of John the Baptist. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Did you hear Luke's description of John's ministry? I want you to listen to it again. First, he said, many will rejoice at his birth, that he would be great before the Lord, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. He will prepare the people for the coming of their Messiah. When I hear that description of John, I am just like blown away. I am amazed at what Luke records about this man's ministry. I think that we would all say this morning, Oh Lord, let me serve you in that manner. Let my ministry be characterized by these aspects, these aspects that we see here in the life of John. 
John would become a great and godly man. Actually, he becomes the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He is the one that is proclaiming that Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, is coming to the children of Israel. But did you notice when I mentioned that list to you, there was one description I left out? Did you miss that? Because Luke, not only did he say those things about John the Baptist, but he also makes mention of one other description as well when he describes the ministry of John. He says, Luke, or I'm sorry, John's ministry will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. When I hear that in this passage of Scripture, I'm always left with the question, what has happened in the nation of Israel? I mean, think about it for a moment. This nation had such a rich heritage. They were chosen by God over in the Old Testament. They were a covenant people. They were given Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Remember, we looked at that passage of Scripture one morning. Do you remember that? Where they're encouraged to raise their children in the admonition of the Lord. And then here in this passage of Scripture, Luke says that John will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. Something has gone radically wrong in the nation of Israel. I like what one of my commentaries says about this particular phrase. It says that the love of the father for their children has waned cold. What in the world has happened? But he tells us as a result of John's ministry, there would be a revival that would take place in the hearts and the lives of the fathers. Fathers' hearts would be turned back to their children. You see, I am convinced that is what needs to happen in America today. I am convinced that what needs to happen more than anything else for the family to be all that God desires the family to be is for men to step up and to fulfill their roles as fathers and husbands in the family. Men, we have been given a huge responsibility we have been given the huge responsibility of leading our families spiritually. When we read Ephesians, the fifth chapter, there is no way that we can argue with God's Word that God has very clearly outlined for us. It is the responsibility of man to lead the family spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I'm not at all trying to diminish the role of the mother, but I will tell you something this morning, men. Women, children, crave our spiritual leadership in the family. And you say, well, how do you know that, Brother Jeff? Because it's God's plan for the family. You see, the problem is oftentimes we don't want to accept what God's plan is for the family. 
We think that we know better than the one true living God. We think that we understand more about our family and how our family ought to be led and guided than God knows about our family even though he has created us. But God makes it very clear in his word that man is to be the spiritual leader of the family. We cannot deny that man. We cannot shuck that. That is our responsibility. It is our responsibility to lead our families spiritually. So this morning, I want to give you three words that will help us to fulfill our roles as spiritual leaders in the family. Three words that will help us, three words that are rooted and grounded in God's Word. The first word that I would offer you this morning, men, that will help us to be the spiritual leaders of our home is this one word, the word time. The word time. Time is essential in the equation of us being a good father. Let's face it. There is no substitute for spending quality time with your children. Our children spell love one way, T-I-M-E. At the end of the day, what makes the biggest impact in the life of our children, what says to them, you are worth it, is when we set aside and we spend quality time with our family. We are saying there is no one else on earth that is more important to you when we choose to spend time with our children. Now you'll notice that when I use that word time, I always referenced it with the word quality in front of it. You do know it is possible to spend a quantity of time with your children without spending quality time with your children. You know that is right, don't you? Quality time is investing in the emotional and spiritual well-being of our child. It is time focused on them and not on you. What if I told you this morning, men, that I could help you be the wisest father who ever lived? How many of you would want to be the wisest father who ever lived? Come on, men. I've got two hands in the whole congregation. This is your opportunity to interact with the pastor. How many of you want to be the wisest father that you ever lived? I've got three now. All right? Don't we all want to have wisdom in our relationship with our children as we parent them, as we father them? I want you to listen to the word of the Apostle Paul as he addressed this in the book of Ephesians. He said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. I love the way the NIV renders this. It says it this way, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most. Did you hear what Paul said in that verse of Scripture, those two verses of Scripture? He says the wise person is the person who understands the importance of making the most of every opportunity that God has given them. That's what it means to be a wise parent, a wise father. And the question we must ask ourselves today, men, is this. Are we a wise person? Are we making the most of every opportunity that God has given us with our children? Are we spending quality time with them? Men, how we use the time God has given us will determine our effectiveness as fathers. I'm looking around in the congregation. I love women because when you men refuse to answer, they answer for you. I see many women going, 
I see some men going. Listen, fathers. Quality time with our children says, I love you. You are valuable. You are important, is what it says. Number two, the second word that I would offer you this morning, men, is this, the word understanding. Men that make an eternal impact on the lives of their children are men of spiritual understanding. Let me say that one more time, and I want you to listen carefully to that statement. Men that make an eternal impact on the lives of their children are men of spiritual understanding. I want you to listen to the words of one of the wisest men to ever live. His name was Solomon, and this is what he said in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, verses 4 and 5. Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. The word wisdom that is used here in this text refers to a gaining of spiritual insight. It speaks of a man who has gained spiritual understanding into the things of God. That is our challenge as fathers. I will tell you something, that is our challenge as parents, that we gain a spiritual understanding of the things of God so that we can hand them off or pass them on to our children. Our children must understand that Jesus is more than just a character in a story. The reality of Jesus must be modeled before our children in the ways that we live and through the words that we speak. We must make godly understanding a priority in our lives if we are going to be successful fathers. There's no other way to get around it. Spiritual understanding and passing along spiritual understanding of the things of God is so important. It is key in raising our children in the world in which we live in today. So let me ask you a question this morning, men. How are you doing in that area? How are you doing in that area? Let me help you answer that question by asking you a series of questions that you need to answer. First, have you built a spiritual altar in your home? Do you gather your children around the Word of God in prayer on a weekly basis? Our children need to see fathers leading out spiritually. Listen, men, our families crave our spiritual leadership. They do. Number two, do you lead your families to corporate worship on Sundays? Is it a priority in your life and the life of your family? Consistency is crucial in leading your family spiritually. Your words must match your actions or they are hollow. Do you see what I'm saying? I shared this one time before recently. There was a survey done of young people that have graduated out of high school, young adults, and they were asked some of the reasons why they have left the church and they have never returned. 
one of the number one reasons for young people leaving the church after they graduate out of high school and no longer under the influence of their children is inconsistency of parents. Speaking one thing with our mouth, living another way through our actions. I will tell you right now, children can see a fake a mile away. That is reality. They can see it. Now, don't misunderstand me, men. I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. There's times where we need to sit down with our children and we need to look them in the face and we need to have an adult conversation and we need to ask their forgiveness. There are times where we blow it, but what I'm saying is this, as your children look at your life, what do they see consistently in your life? What do they see over the long haul? What characterizes your life as a godly man? Or maybe not a godly man. Number three, are you living out the principles, the truths, and the commands of God's Word before your wife and children? When your children watch your life, and believe me, they are watching. You know that, right? They are watching you. Do they see a man who is a doer of the Word of God? Effective fathers are those men who have gained a spiritual understanding from God's Word, and they are passing it on to their children. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Brother Jeff, I, I want to do that. I want to gain a spiritual understanding of God's Word to pass it on. But I really struggle in understanding God's Word in my life. Well, let me encourage you. There's opportunity here at this church every week for people to gain a spiritual understanding in God's Word. We have small group Bible study every week that allows people the opportunity to sit down with other people and study the Word of God, to gain a deeper understanding of God's Word, to be able to apply it to our lives and hand it off to our children, that we will give them the best opportunity to be the children that God desires them to be. Uh, I'm sorry, understanding. Number three, and the last one, responsibility. Responsibility. I think it is at this point that our families have suffered the most. Rather than running to our responsibility as men, oftentimes we have ran from our responsibility as men. Now, I want to say something to you, men. This is not a new phenomenon. This goes all the way back to the very beginning of time, the fall of mankind. If you have your Bibles, quickly turn over to Genesis, the uh, second chapter. We're going to read just a few verses here in Genesis, the third chapter. But in order to understand the context of Genesis, the third chapter, we have to read the end of chapter 2. I want you to listen to what has happened here. If you remember at the end of chapter 2, God has given Adam a helpmate. She is woman, Eve. And this is what it says as that chapter closes. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, do you know why it says that in this passage of Scripture? The reason it says that is their relationship with one another was perfect, and the relationship with God was perfect. And as a result of that, they were living in perfect harmony with one another. The man didn't look at the woman and think, now, what can she do for me? And the woman didn't look at man and say, oh, man, what can she do for me? For, for her, not me. But for her, let me get that right, all right? 
Do you see? But then we have chapter 3 that opens, and I want you to listen to what happens here in this story. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the, any of the tree in the garden? Is that what God said? No. God said you can't eat of the tree that's in the center of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said you can eat of anything. Do you see how the enemy loves to distort the truth? So listen to how the woman responds. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of that tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that has been the man's desire Ever since that day, our desire is to control our own destiny to be our own God. We don't want anyone telling us how to run our life. Isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, the best, I mean, the favorite buzzword in the world in which we live in today is don't judge me. Isn't that true? Yeah. But I want you to go back and I want you to look at what it says here. Listen to verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave... Don't miss this one. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate as well. When I read that passage of Scripture, I'll tell you, I'm blown away. You know what my heart is? My heart's desire is that Adam was at the other end of the garden. But he's sitting there all the time. I'm wondering what's going on in his mind. What is he thinking? God had given him the command, don't eat of that tree. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And what is he doing? He's sitting passively by watching his wife eat. And I think maybe in his mind he is thinking to himself, I wonder if she will surely die. And then after she ate and she did not die, he said, hey, let me have some of that as well. I am blown away by this text by this story. And I will tell you, men, every man apart from Christ is just like Adam. We are willing to passively sit by and watch someone else lead our family spiritually rather than us stepping up to the plate and being the men that God has called us to be. Amen? Am I, am I being truthful this morning? Am I not? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't believe me, you go to any church in America on Sunday morning and you will find three-quarters women and one-quarter men. Why is that? Because men, we are intent to step aside when it comes to spiritual things and passively sit by and let our wives lead us. And that goes completely contradictory to the plan that God has given us in His Word. And then we want to jump up and we want to say, I don't understand why our families are in the situation in which they're in today. And the reason they're not is because we have failed as men to be the men that God has called us to be. We're not leading our families spiritually.
oh my goodness. I don't know about you men, but I am so convicted by this passage of Scripture when I read it. And we wonder why our families suffer. Listen, if we fail to follow God's pattern for the family at this point, we will inflict serious damage upon the hearts of our children. Let me tell you something, young ladies. Some of you in the next few years will be looking in a world to find yourself a mate. And I'm going to tell you, you need to find yourself a man who is a spiritual leader. You need to. I'm telling you right now, you need to find a man who is a spiritual leader for your family. You do. Because it will impact your family for eternity. It will. I'm going to stop there this morning. Because I think this is our greatest challenge as men. We need to step up to the plate, men, and we need to be responsible for the roles that God has given us in our families. We need to be the spiritual leaders of our family. Now, when I use that term spiritual leader, I'm not talking about being the dictator of your home, men. I hope you know that. The spiritual leader of a family recognizes God's plan, and with God's help, they implement that plan in their family. That's what it means to be the spiritual leader of your family. Now, some of you here this morning may be saying to yourself, well, Brother Jeff, if I'm honest with you, that's really not the desire of my heart. I will tell you that is a good starting place until we're willing to acknowledge before the Lord what is really going on in our life, until we're willing to acknowledge that we need God's help, God cannot help us. But if we're willing to say, oh God, I need your help here. i am not been the man that you desire for me to be. I'll promise you this, if we're willing to take the step, men, God is willing to help us to be the men that we need to be for our families. I will tell you, I am so passionate about this. Because when I look at America, families, we're in trouble, people. We're in trouble in families. But I want you to understand, it's never too late to start. It's never too late. We have been given the privilege of being the spiritual leaders of our homes. May we fulfill that responsibility. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you've spoken to our hearts this morning through your word. Lord, as we enter into this time of invitation, please lead and guide us. Lord, you have your way in our hearts and lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.